90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It's nice. Gets the people going. You're now listening to Diagnonsense. Look at all this damage! With Justin Pendergrass and Kurt Honak. You are a sad, strange little man. Then we would just be idiots saying nonsense. What if I asked you if you were a wrestler, what would your entrance music be? My entrance music? <laughs> I'm gonna have to say uh, drawing pole bodies. <laughs> Let my bodies hit the floor. Yeah, yeah. Bro, okay. So that's actually that's kind of funny. Um, when I was a kid, me and my buddy Steven were listening to that song. Yeah. And uh, we were like joke fighting, and right. then I accidentally hit him in the face. Oh shit. <laughs> As the song was ending. Oh, man. So, like, his body actually hit the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Good times. I literal. think Hurt by Johnny Cash would be mine. Hurt by Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> what would your attire be, then, if you're going to come down to that? Like, like full suit. Tuxedo. Full yeah. suit. And then I just rip it off me as I get into the ring. Oh. It's going to be, like, snaps. Yeah. <laughs> snaps. It's like suit. a breakaway suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Why don't they make those more? Or what about like Wake Me Up by Evanescence? Look, with if a they breakaway, had a breakaway suit, suit, and then like, like the whole time I'm walking down, it's just that beginning part with the piano and like the vocals, and then when it the first before the first Wake Me Up, just the whole suit flies off, and then just steel chair, bam, hits. I'm yeah. actually um I'm against the breakaway suit now. I th- now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like employers would start to implement it. Oh. And then when like important people are coming to the office, we'd have to wear our breakaway suits, <laughs> like no. a rip cord on your <laughs> on your parachute or something. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you guys for tuning in to Diagnonsense. I'm your host Justin Pendergrass. I'm here with my co-host Kurt Honak. How you doing, Kurt? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, man. What are we going to talk about today? Housekeeping. No. That's what we're going to talk about today, <laughs> bro. Look. Every time you do hi- housekeeping, Why can't you just it really just me? derails everything that I'm trying to do. you just acknowledge my presence? <laughs> Notice me, senpai. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Ooh-woo. We're going to throw uh. it over to uh, We're going to throw it over to Isaac for housekeeping, I guess. Okay. Uh, there's podcast <laughs> releasing back to you, Justin. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. Wow. <laughs> Also, uh, there's Dang, spots open for the fired golf. For that. <laughs> this is your last day. There's <laughs> spots open for the golf tournament. Uh, if you want to sponsor a hole, or there's still spots on the team, I'm pushing that because I'm a free agent for the golf tournament. So if you only have three and you need one more, uh, hit me up. Hit, hit me up. I shot an 84 my first round of the year. So how would they get a hold of you? Uh, Isaac at myhousematsu.org. I will oh. respond. Is there a hyphen between Matt and Sue? No. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's just Isaac at Matsu, myhousematsu.org. Yeah. It's kind of like how your email is. Yeah. No, I was just making sure that people knew that there was no hyphen. Yeah. There's no hyphen. And making it sound like we're having an actual conversation. But now they know. (laughs) That was staged. Yeah. Broke the fourth wall. Everything's staged. Everything's staged. (laughs) This whole podcast is staged by the government. It's a psyop. Okay. Kurt, dude. What are we talking about? My life as a conspiracy (laughs) (laughs) theorist. What are we talking about today, Kurt? Uh, well, I think we want to touch base on your, uh, r- the revision program that we were working on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good topic. I like that topic. I think that's an easy hour to kill. I think people are going to be like, wow, that's awesome. An right. hour to kill. Um, 
like it's true poor I choice mean, of words poor t- very poor yeah. choice of words it's literally <laughs> roll that back actually take that out <laughs> trading <laughs> it's maybe fix a little too dark <laughs> fix that in post okay <laughs> and just making a note that was at 345 you don't have to make recording. a note you just keep uh, it in there 345 <laughs> into recording we're talking about removing it you just keep it in okay. there okay <laughs> 345 oh, oh my gosh yeah <laughs> we're on one today so on the revision five. curriculum huh so um Man, Kurt, we had this plan for a while, though, to sit down and actually write something up that kind of embodied the idea of uh, prevention for the two of us. You know, kind of like how I would meet you and how you would meet me when we were struggling with some stuff, right? Yeah. And um, so that's what really came out of the revision uh, building of what that is. And it's a suicide prevention awareness type uh training that I created with Kurt Honak and a couple other people from the community, Jesse Carnahan and uh, Stephanie Berta. And we, we shot some videos of other individuals in the community who are talking about what prevention really looks like and, and how to step into someone's life and actually really connect with them in the darkest places that they really are. And, um, you know, Kurt got to do a lot of this stuff with me. So I want you to share some of the like experiences and just like, uh, your thought process as we were going through that curriculum building and really just trying to find what it was. Cause we started off pretty rough, right? Right. Yeah. I think it was kind of a, we had a, like a sketch of what we wanted and, and what we didn't want or what we thought was working and what wasn't working. I remember doing the, uh, the camera work with, with Jesse and just like talking, you know, about, okay, you know, what helped me, what, what worked for me and what kind of resources would like, if you had somebody that was experiencing that, what would the ideal resources be for them to, to feel better? And so I think we came to the same understanding that like really the biggest piece that's missing from even our overall society today is the, the lack of connection between people and the lack of ability to connect. Right. I mean, even over the last two years, we had zero opportunity to connect. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a huge, um, a huge focal point, I think of like, why did, why did like some of the systems we were looking at, like, why did, why do they fail? Well, like some, somewhere either the client loses connection to the system or whatever the continuum of care is or to the provider yeah, or, or like somewhere in there, there's a disconnect between the client receiving services and, and I don't want to just say like client, like that's the whole, that that's like, you know, we're trying to humanize, like, because it, a lot of the, you know, from my perspective, like going through what I went through, um, I, I don't, I see a lot of, a lot of like systems are built around, like if we could just like change this one thing or uh, fix this one problem, then the whole continuum of care and like, that, that lack of like fluidity and, and like the ability to respond dynamically, I think is, is what creates that disconnect in a lot of systems. So I think when we were looking at that, that was probably one of the things that I was thinking of is just like, you know, where in the system is, and, and, and it was, it was weird too. Right. Cause I was, I was working with Jesse and it was like from t- just talking to Jesse was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that does make a lot of sense. You know, the humanistic part yeah. of it. Cause like, right. Cause like, from my perspective, it was just like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't, um, find my healing until I found the right person that could be the healer. But a part of that was just the fact that that right person was just a person that I could connect to. 
Yeah. Well, so, enemy may teach you how to heal yourself. Right. So that they're not, you know, and actually build that humanistic connection with you and, and be able to sit with you in a room where you're saying things that maybe will make other people turn and run. Yeah. But you're allowed to say them and it's a safe place where they're not judging you for saying that. They're like, yeah, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way, but I mean, let's try to find some solutions in this and let's sit through this and let's, let's grieve through this together. And really just meeting you in that place was really that, that, um, that piece for me that I took away from you telling your story on that curriculum and the, really just building that, the building blocks, the foundations of that connection for you and really pushing you towards that direction that you, you knew you could have, but you didn't know how to get there. Right. You know, um, I, you said something earlier. I don't remember the exact words you said, but um, the system and how it's designed to like give these quick fixes. Right. And I think that we try to do that with prevention a lot. Yeah. Well, at least, at least trying to, uh, well, and that comes from, I think the thinking behind that is for a lot of like service providers and institution is like, okay, if you can meet the most critical part, then you can like, then you can um, deescalate like the level of care. But the, but the challenge, right, is that like when you're talking about like a, somebody's life is like, well, it, it, it's the same. I think, you know, when we look at, I, I just did a feasibility study on um, for homeless needs. And when we look at like triaging people, it's like we can get them into a, a congregate shelter. We can give them some kind of like counseling or something for a day. Right. And that might get them to where they're not immediately in a, a crisis that doesn't kind of address the whole entire issue. And that's what I felt like I really liked about this curriculum was just that like, you know, we don't have to, um, we don't have to pretend like this one little thing is going to solve it, but we also are not immobilized by that. Like we can still like work with a person on like different levels of where they're at. It doesn't have to be this really strict like approach and it doesn't have to be something that is like where we feel helpless because we have to defer like something to somebody else that, that because like it's, it's very humanizing because it's like, well, everybody, you know, everybody can, can approach and help in some way. Yeah. That's, that's what I felt like, you know, I think that something that it. people don't really truly understand is that somebody who's struggling with this, these deep, some, these deeper emotions and those thoughts of suicide, those things don't ever go away they do come back. There's still thoughts that cross your mind because you've made a decision in your life, right? And that's a decision that you know that you could make now. And I think that a lot of the times we, we treat prevention like it's a one-stop shop, like we're going to fix it today and then it's never going to be talked about again. We're done. We did a, you know, wipe my hands of it and it's, oh, it's over. But in my experience and, you know, what you and I have been doing is we have to meet people every single day sometimes. Yeah, You know, months, years, the years that you and I have been developing our friendship and really just leaning on each other when we're having a hard time is, um, you know, I, I would say is a, a big reason why I am still here today, because I have the support systems that you have put into place that my other friends and my family and people that are around me have put into place to help me. And it's a lifetime connection. And it's, I don't want to call it a responsibility. But, you know, it, it really is. It's that lifetime of responsibility of being in someone's life intentionally and inviting them to your life and inviting them to life. 
so that they can live through these circumstances and the heaviness that they're up against, right? Right. Um, well, it's kind of like we talk about how there's no silver bullet to end homelessness, and that's how, you know, a lot of, like you said, Kurt, a lot of service providers approach this issue. Like, the issue of my depression is solved, and it will never come up again. But that's just not a realistic right. way it's to not look always at that. A chemo- it's not always a chemical imbalance. Right. Sometimes it's circumstantial. Right. Sometimes I mean, your life is difficult and you're stuck in a situation where that's the only thing that you feel like you have. Exactly. And, and you know, a lot like treatment and long-term recovery, like people that are in recovery for um, alcohol or drug use, they will always be in recovery, no matter yeah. how far down the road. Uh, I think Carl said this on our True North episode, no matter how far down the road you get, you're just as far away from the ditch. Yeah. So, and I think that that's an apt metaphor for whether we're talking about like homeless services or um, suicide prevention, like it, it definitely rings true. Well, I mean, I'll be straight up with you guys. I have to, I have to intentionally decide every single day to choose my life. I wake up every day and I say, Justin, today you will live. And I have to tell myself that because my mind was so beat down and destroyed by myself and by the life circumstances that I've had that I have to continuously remind myself, hey, you deserve where you are. You earned it all. It's yours. Take it. You know, and and it gets really heavy some days. And I, I try to stay out of that, but, like, it's just it's the nature of the beast sometimes. You know, it's not enough to just tell somebody, you know, like, don't say that you're depressed or you're going to be depressed. Well, <laughs> I'm not telling you I'm depressed because um, I'm not already depressed. <laughs> Most people, the majority of people are going to wake up every day and make the decision to live every day. The difference is that most people, yeah, most, that's exactly right. Most people just make that decision subconsciously because that's not something they struggle with. But right. if you are someone that struggles with suicidal ideations or depression, then that has to be just maybe more of a conscious decision for you. And that doesn't make you any less of a person. That no, it makes just, me, I mean, I think that it makes me uh, genuine and real and honest. Honest you with know? yourself as well. It's just like recovery. You have yeah. to choose to be sober every single day. Yeah. Well, I have to choose to live every single day, and I, and I, and I search for the reasons to every single day. I want to be here. I do. Deep down, all the time, every day, I want to be here. But that doesn't stop my mind from trying to play some tricks on me. That doesn't stop me from needing to sit down with a counselor and actually work through some stuff on my own. That doesn't stop me from needing to be able to build those connections with my friends and call Kurt when I'm having a hard day. You know? Uh, you and I have had countless conversations on the phone about those days, man. Yeah. And I think that there was a very long time in my life where I hadn't met anybody else who really understood that depth that I w- was going to when I was struggling until I met Kurt. And he can really, he can meet me in that place and be like, Justin, dude, I've been here. I know you are feeling this way, but let's go up. Like, let's get out of here. This is why you're feeling that way. And, and he's been able to talk me out of some stupid things when I'm having some emotional times. And I think that that's beautiful, you know, finding those people in your life that are really going to dive deep with you and do life with you, you know? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's important. And this reminds me of, this reminds me of a passage from, um, 
um, I read a tribe, uh, by, I think it's called tribe, not tribes by Sebastian Junger, I think is how you pronounce his name. And just talking about like military homecoming and like how I think from his perspective and you know, I don't know that he's like, um, I don't know that he's like a big mental health guy. I'd have to look at his background again, but like, sure from his perspective, just like interviewing and talking to people. And, and I think he did spend some time as a journalist following up on wars and stuff. And, and, you know, he was talking about like one of the things that from his perspective was wrong um, in our society um, was that, you know, in military personnel, and I can't, I can't speak to this, right. I'm not, a, I'm not a military person. I don't have any experience in the military, but from his perspective, he's like saying that, one of the things that happens is that you have to be really cohesive in the military. And so people end up becoming like really cohesive and they trust in their unit. And then that's like super conducive. That environment is super conducive and super like uh, bonding. And so one of the things he was saying is like, when people come back from that environment, it's not that that environment was dysfunctional and that caused them trauma, although it does, but that, when they come back to society is sort of, is kind of maladaptive is kind of maladaptive to how people like connect with each other and how they bond. And it's not always a pro social environment in terms of like, you know, um, how people work together. And so they, they long for that, even though that, that environment is like chaotic externally, like internally, I think from his perspective, it was like internally people were really, you know, they, they, they felt connected which is bizarre, right? Because you're going into uh, this environment, you know, from his perspective, you're going into this chaotic environment where there's death and destruction and it's just horrible. But that people felt more connected in that than they do when they when they went back home and they were at home in just our regular society. And I think there's something to, like to that, you know, when we were talking and that's what that reminded me of was that that's, book. That's kind of wild to actually think about. Well, I think it, I come from a team sports background and obviously it's not to the same extent where you're dealing with life or death circumstances every day, but it's kind of a similar environment. You spend that much time around the same people every day. I think you do build those connections uh, a little like exactly what you just said. They're, they're pro social connections, which is, which is, I believe like how human beings were supposed to be like, we're supposed to be able to like trust your brothers and sisters, right? Kind of like, you're supposed to be able to like feel accepted and like it's, it's in like, you know, we, we work against the environment or we work against whatever, like we always have this like task to overcome and, and that's really healthy. I think that's a really functional environment, but like in our society too, you know, talking about like being disconnected and like to the, to the level of like where we're afraid to like put, like reach out to people and, right. and that's, that's what I like about the curriculum. Cause I feel like it, it, it takes out and like flips it on its head in terms of a perspective. Like what if that's exactly what's needed? I think that it does a good job at touching on that idea of humanistic connections are, um, they might, they're not the 100% only fix that they need, right? but humanist con- humanistic connections create opportunity in all avenues of your life to excel yeah, and to make some changes and to be mindful about your environment and your mind and what's going on. 
But because now you have other people around you who actually do genuinely care about you who are going to be like, hey, Kurt, bro, what's going on? Right. You know? Well, I think they're definitely critical, you know, for for healthy environment, for functional environment. They're absolutely essential. You can't, like, when, like, in our team, right, like, at work, or what we do, I mean, you, you have to be, at some level, you have to be, like, connected like that or else it, I mean, it wouldn't be functional. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, that that's, that's like how we're supposed to, how we're supposed to be connected to each other. No, it definitely works beautifully. The, the ebb and flow of it all. Um, and I want, I kind of wanted to go back to something that you said about the, the military and their connections in that chaos, because it's like the only thing that they're able to do is connect. I think that's the great thing about working here. I think we have a little bit of that because of the work that we deal with. I mean, and that's been my favorite thing about working here is that it, it feels closer to something like uh, my experience with team sports or like my other favorite jobs that I've had. You have that sense of camaraderie and like, it's more than, it's more than just your coworkers. We're in each other's lives. Right. Like if I needed something and I knew that Isaac was the guy that I needed to call for that. I know that he would show up for me and be in my life in that circumstance. You know, I know that Kurt would show up for me if I was struggling with my mental health. I know that right. Michael, one of our case managers out there, would show up for me if I needed help with anything. You know, I mean, he's my best friend. But, like, right. you know, that knowing that, that also. Not me. No. Darn. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that also creates that opportunity, though, to like for me to be a little vulnerable and to be able to open up to people about when I'm hurting and when yeah. I need them. And I love that because I, I love the idea that the military has that aspect. That's right. something that actually made me want to become a service member because I was looking for connections so much that I was willing to go be a soldier to do it. Right. You know, um, and I was happy and lucky enough to find it here in my home. Yeah. yeah, no, I think, I think there's something to that. I mean, um, another book that I've, I've mentioned before trauma and recovery, you know, talks about some of the, some of the most resilient, um, units in Vietnam for psychological, um, break points were these small units that were, had a lot of like, I don't know if you'd say tenure together, but they basically were together for longer. Yeah. And so they had like a team bond built up. And so those were some of like uh, the author was saying that those were some of the most psychologically resilient units. Um, And so I think there's something to that. Um, But we, I mean, our, not all of our community, but a vast majority of our community does not have opportunities to connect. No. Right. We have these events like we have a hockey game, but that's a hockey game. It's not an opportunity to connect. People are going to watch hockey. Right. You know, um, we're not creating opportunity for people to get out of their homes and be together as a community and be together as a collective of individuals, you know, despite their differences. Right. And um, when we do have small events like that, they are amazing. But I think, I think there's this is small why you attention. See, I think this is why you see cubicles coming out of offices more and more, because where do you spend like the maj- on average the majority of your time? Work, work. When you're awake, and I think if that's where you're going to spend the majority of the time, if you're 
like if you come look at our office, like everything, not me, I'm trapped in the dungeon back here in the recording studio, but <laughs> everyone else is like out in the main lobby and there's no separation. Even the people that have kind of those offices, usually the doors like open. Everyone right. kind of flows back well, and forth. we make a point to go back there and be like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Say hi to those people. You know, right. um, Michelle will come out and she'll walk around the office real quick, you know, just do a, uh, a turn and burn in there and then go back to right. her office just because she's, she needs that quick connection that's not a Zoom meeting because yeah. Zooms, all right, the internet is the worst possible thing that could have actually happened for connectivity because we're we're preaching this idea that more connected than ever, but we're not. We are less connected because I don't understand. I cannot see your tone and see your face and feel your emotion over a phone call or over a text message or seeing you say life is so good, but actually what's happening is you're sitting in your room and you're struggling. But like, because you get to present this front about yourself and it's not, it's not the genuine true you, right? And there's tons of studies about this. But when I was going through this, um, the process of creating this, this revision curriculum, I was like, well, I want to know some things. And I was like, okay, suicide spiked by 30% in the 90s. The internet was introduced into the family home in 1992. I just, I mean, my theory is, is that is definitely something that connects the dots, right? Because now you have access to understanding about your suicide, but you also have access to understanding how to do it. You have people online who are going to constantly harass you that you may never even know. Keyboard warriors, right? We have them. Whether you agree with me or not, it hurts your feelings when somebody's coming after you online, right? Even if you have a little bit more resilience, like maybe the guys in this room, but that eats at people. Right. You can't escape your bullies. You can't escape your problems because the moment that, I mean, you're driving in traffic now and you cut somebody off without even meaning to, you're blasted all over the internet. Now you're the worst person in town. You know what I mean? Like, we're not creating opportunities to connect. We're creating divide, and we're actually thriving off divide. And it, it, the division in our community and in our society no. is con constantly growing. Well, it, and I don't want to get into politics, right? Like, right, right. But we are dividing each other up into these subcategories of people, and I don't even, like, I don't understand. Right. I want to understand. I want to understand why we are doing this. Because we're supposed to be the United States of America, and we are the most divided country in the world. That's and how it feels sometimes. That's definitely how it feels <laughs> to me. Um, because you can't go into anywhere without you instantly being defined by who you are, your age, your sex, your gender, your race. You're instantly put into this category of a person. And I'm not, I mean, I'm white. I'm right. not saying that I have a hard time. I'm saying that it's unfair for anyone and everyone to feel that disconnect on instantly. And I just would, I want our society to create opportunities for people to be people and connect with each other and just get over yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, uh, I, I mean, that reminds me of, and, and it's a real thing, right? Cause I mean, we, we, all the science fiction authors have predicted this, right? Because 
with with like uh you've heard so you've heard of like transhumanism right which is like basically like you're um you become like more um advanced because of like technology like you're, you're more you sort of like transcend your like capabilities through technology and so like i feel like Right, like, like the calculator on my phone. Right. Well, when you yeah, said transhumanism, yeah. I was thinking like combining man with dolphin for the first <laughs> muffin. <laughs> but like, but like that's a core element of, of the like kind of like the cyberpunk sort of like genre is like, you know, technology in this double edged sort of like as we're already left to our own devices. No pun intended. Oh, we're, we're that's already... so metal. Deliverance <laughs> yeah. starts playing. <laughs> but no, but you know, left to our own devices without devices, you know, we're, we're pretty destructive, but with transhuman, like where we're able to transcend our, our bodies. And, and I think that's part of what we're seeing, right? We're like, we're like our capacity for like how we can affect our environment is, is becoming larger and larger as we develop computers and are become more, it's like uh, what Elon Musk said about what was it like smartphones? You're already a cyborg, right? Cause you're attached to your phone, your smartphone. Like, That's so true though. You know, your phone I'm, I'm knows guilty. more about you than anyone else guilty. does in the world. Closer, I mean, you're closer than your spouse. You're closer than your parents. Yeah. Like guarantee. I definitely That's probably true. To that. Yeah. If I have a question true. about anything, I can, I have it, the answer right. right there. Right. So, so we're not just, ourselves but we're also google we're also wikipedia we're also facebook we're also you're, you're like blowing <laughs> we, are right now. We, oh we are the product we are the product well that, that was like what was no no it's funny you say that because this band i i listened i started listening to called three teeth they are like they have this uh one of their songs i think is like the final product. No, no, it's not. It's not no, it's more like industrial, like okay. you know, po- like three yeah, teeth. Just punk. makes me think about like but, no, the no, deep no. South. They're much cooler than that. But um, no, they've got like a final product or something is one of their songs, and they they talk about a lot of that transhumanist sort of like, or it's at least a theme I see in their works presented. You know, and like how do we how do we escape that? Because it's like. It's like it's like freeing, but then it's also a prison too, because we're yeah we're we're becoming more disconnected and we're sort of like enslaving ourselves to that, you know. No man, that's so true. I mean, dang. So the moral of the story is: find an opportunity to connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find opportunities to connect. Talk to the lady at the grocery store and ask her how her life is when you're checking out. Like facts. (laughs) I mean, I'm just. Was that directed at me? (laughs) (laughs) Kurt, I know you'll talk to the lady at the grocery store. Bro, your game is like... Oh, gosh. It's so high. (laughs) It's good game. Isaac and I don't even have to practice any of that stuff anymore because we're spoken for, but like, I've seen Kurt... Well, if you guys are interested in hearing anything else about the revision trainings that me and Kurt are doing... Um, and have developed over the last couple of years. You can reach out to me at Justin at myhousematsue.org. Is it hyphenated? No hyphen, bro. Oh, okay. Actually, no gotcha. hyphen. <laughs> no, and, and it feels like we got a little bit off topic, but I actually think that that theme of connection is really what, as someone who has gone through uh, that revision training when you were kind of workshopping it in the final stages, uh, I mean, that's really what that all that's comes down to. Is when you're When you are someone that is going into an active crisis situation to intervene and 
you know, trying to be, you're, you're going into that situation in a suicide prevention situation and what it comes down to, what I got out of that training was, uh, you know, don't speak down to someone. Don't try to relate to someone. Don't try to fix their problem. Just listen to what they're going through and connect with them. Be with them. I mean, <clears throat> maybe not try, like, relating to people is fine, right? But I don't, but don't. Don't when, create a way for you to be related. Like, oh, right. you like Pokemon. I've seen well, and don't, Digimon. Don't try to, like, <laughs> don't be, you're not there to try to um, talk about what all you're going through. You're not trying to make it about you. Don't make it about you Yes, if you're trying to relate to them. Do you can relate to someone, you. but don't make it about you. There's a difference, right? There's a difference because with peer support stuff, you're supposed to, you're supposed to share right. who you are. Right. But when you're working with somebody who's in those crises and they're trying to, you're trying to help navigate them to the other side of it so that they can, you know, move forward in their lives. If you're talking about what you've been through, they don't care. Right. Because right now, what you've been through, no matter if it's worse off or worse than anything they've ever been through, it doesn't feel like that to them. Right. And Perception so, is reality. Right. And they're, you know. So, and also do not treat those people who have a wor- uh, an easier life story than yours like they didn't experience hardship. Yeah. Because their hardship is the only hardship they know. And it is unfair for you to determine whether yours was worse than theirs. You know? Just connect. Every single person deserves the opportunity to be connected with. And find those opportunities to connect with people. Again, if you guys need any um, information about the revision curriculum, please do reach out to me. You can call our office at 373-4357. You can ask for myself or Kurt. We'll be able to give you guys some information. Um, And then we're going to continue to move forward. I hope you guys tune in next time. Hopefully we're going to be talking about some super cool politics. Some more government legislation, baby. Everyone's favorite thing. (laughs) Everyone's favorite. Don't miss that. All 18 of the people who listened to the last one. We have dozen of listeners. Yes. Dozen. Mm. <laughs> Dang, that's more than my last release, though. So. Ooh. Just Too kidding. real. Too J- real. JK. Well, Kurt was throwing out some bars you should have been writing down for your next song. I already there. did. Yeah, I wrote okay. them down. Good. <laughs> good. Kurt, you'll get credit. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Kurt's going to jump in featuring Kurt Honak. <laughs> mm. It's going to be featuring Justin Pendergrass. <laughs> <laughs> It's Kurt's song now. <laughs> Johnny Kurt, Cash. Kurt is music. Back. Yeah, groping it back to, to Johnny Cash there. Yeah. <laughs>